It's a lovely day today So whatever you've got to do You've got a lovely day to do it in, that's true And I hope whatever you've got to do Is something that can be done by two For I'd really like to stay It's a lovely day today And whatever you've got to do I'd be so happy to be doing it with you. We are happy to be doing this day with you. Good morning and welcome to the Pensacola Expert Panel here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. We are depending on your texts today and your calls. Last week we got very busy and I think we might have even missed a couple texts that were rolling in and I apologize if that's the case. So if you didn't hear an answer to your question or you're having a question today, Please text in. It is time for the Garden Line, 9 to 10 a.m. this morning. Mike Wiggins is here to answer all your calls, all your texts. So get them in, 850-437-1620. Here on the Pensacola Expert Panel, I'm Jenna Barr. Also want to make sure I give a huge shout out to one of your um, very faithful listeners. Her her name is Lynn. Uh, Lynn D. I'm not going to share your last name, but it's her birthday today. Well, happy birthday, Lynn. And she loves the garden line. Oh, my goodness. We love her. In fact, her daughter was sleeping at my house last weekend, and they asked if they could listen to the garden line on Saturday morning, which airs at 9 a.m. Her daughter, not even just her. So you're you're rubbing off on people in the best ways. Well, that is so, so nice. And you know, the short story of all of this is we just really appreciate yes. all the people that listen to the yes, Garden Line. so thankful. And really enjoy your texts. That's what makes it fun. See what you're up to, what your questions may be. We answer most of them. <laughs> Some we have to do oh, yeah. a little research on. Right. But um, do our best. And we just appreciate your, um, your listening to the show. We really do. I get some, some very nice texts from friends of mine. And I, I really appreciate that oh, also. We, do. we exactly. are very, very grateful here. No doubt about it. How about this weather, buddy? So today is a perfect day, but I did hear a couple of conflicting weather reports, which I'd like if everybody got on the same page. Um, But it says we could get some showers, but not severe weather, right? Exactly. I think Thursday, I think, you know, here we go. I had a good friend of mine yesterday tell me, you know, I can always tell you what the weather is going to be on the weekends. Because it's rotten. I, yeah, <laughs> it, says, it seems the weather, like it. Oh, oh, during the week, we had these days like we've had. But, you know, the, um, he wanted to take his boat out. He said, I just can't, uh, can't get it out. It's just the weather hasn't been on what I wanted. So, Well, and it, it, it kind okay. of is a lot of uh, waiting and then uh, trial and error because Saturday morning was very chilly, but yet the day warmed up and was beautiful. Spent right. the whole day outside Saturday and Sunday. Oh, so. Damn. And it's going to be this, this weekend is going to be the same. It's going to be chilly back down to the 30s, not yep. the low 30s, but I think in the high 30s, uh, low 40s over the weekend. But that's okay. It's February in Pensacola and um, um, March and April can't be too far behind when we get into the, some springtime weather. And Jenna, one thing we might want to mention this morning is a lot of people, as you turn your calendar into February, um, have some dates circled yes. on your calendar. Um, and there are two that we probably ought to mention today. And one, of course, is putting out your pre-emergence weed control. We always say middle of February. A lot of the books will tell you middle of February, 
you know, first of March, but sure. whatever. This is the start of a good time to put out your pre-emergence weed control because what's going to happen, we have this warm weather, you know, we have the cool weather, then here comes the warm weather, and what happens is the weeds emerge, and, and here you go. So get the pre-emergence weed killer out early, early to help inhibit the weeds from sprouting up and growing in, in your lawn. So that's, that's really an important date. And then the other important date is Valentine's Day. Oh, we're a week away. We're a week away. Okay, here's a garden line exam here. Jenna, what do we do on Valentine's Day? Oh, I'm ready for this. We prune our roses. So true. It's so the time. True. It's the time to do it. And it's a good time to plant roses, too. Oh, oh yeah. You I didn't know that You prune what you've got, but it's also a great time to plant them because um, if you buy them, they are generally um, in containers. They obviously have no foliage. You can put them in the ground. You can even cut them back a little more if you want to. But be sure if you do buy roses, as we've always said here on the garden line, be sure you get number one grade roses. Now, roses are um, officially graded number ones, number one and a half, number twos. Don't ever buy anything but a number one because the canes are going to be larger. It's going to be a better quality rose, and it's going to just perform better for you. So be sure you buy that. I like buying um, California roses. Jackson and Perkins roses are one of my favorites. There are a lot of um, roses out of Texas that are good. Weeks roses are good. But just buy some good quality roses. And a lot of garden centers will get in these roses, what we call bare root. They don't have any dirt on them at all. And what they'll do, they'll pot them up in a probably a three-gallon pot. And to me, that's the best way to, to buy them. So... Go to your local garden center, pick your roses, and don't forget there are many different kinds. We've talked about that on the garden line. The roses like you give somebody at Valentine's Day, your long stem tea roses. Those are the favorite, of course. Then you've got your grandiflora, which are the taller growing, um, kind of a, a bush rose. I call it a bush rose. That's probably the wrong term. But it's a larger growing plant and a larger bloom. Then the florabunda, which is really just the opposite. It's a shorter-growing plant and has the smaller buds on them. And you can buy miniature roses, and, of course, we can all buy um, knockout roses. Those are the ones that are relatively bulletproof. But it might be fun to plug in your yard a couple of the, I don't want to call them old-fashioned roses, but the ones we used to plant all the time, your tea roses, grandifloras, florabundas, some of those. So it is um, a rose time. I'm not sure, Jenna, and I, I'm ashamed to say I don't mm. know this, if there's still a Rose Society in oh, Pensacola. That's a good I hope question. some of our listeners can clue us in on that because there used to be a Rose Society in Pensacola. It still may be that we're just sort of like the Camellia Club oh. we talk about all the time. Pensacola Rose Society.org. There you go. There's yeah. a, a next, let's see, meetings are normally held at 6 p.m. the second Monday of each month at the Pensacola Garden Center. That's on 9th Avenue. All you got to do is call 850-475-5714 for information. Yeah. Good Look job. At that. Good job. Let me tell you. That's great. So if you want to know more, the Rose Society historically has really been there just like the Camellia Club, whereas you, even if you have never grown a rose before, you can probably go and 
get all kind of information on what to do, when to do it, when to prune, when to plant, sure. how to take care of bugs and varmints and that type of thing. And so I would recommend that to you because I know in the past they have done a great job. I have just not um, worked with them. And if anybody listening um, knows anything more about the Rose Society, give us a call. Give us a text. Let us know on what's going on with that. That's oh, great. Oh, yes. In fact, they have a Facebook page if you would like to find them on there. Um, I'm, I'm adding all this information to our uh, great podcast page as well. Very if you good. have a question, you can text it in 850-437-1620. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's hit our first question, and I'll give you a little preview of it. It's about pre-emergence. Uh, so pre-emergent weed killer, which one should you use for centipede grass and about how much to buy for 1.2 acres where's the best place to buy it all those tips we got that answer for you if you'd like to text in your question go ahead get it in right now 850-437-1620 to the garden line And we're back here on the Garden Line. You're listening to News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Jenna Barr here with Mike Wiggins. So, Mike, I had that question come in about uh, which pre-emergent weed killer to use for centipede grass, how much to buy for 1.2 acres, where it's the best place to buy it. Of course, we love supporting local, but do you have well, some preferences? I have some comments about that. Um, it is time to put the pre-emergence out. There's no yes, doubt sir. about it. And you can do it granular or you can do it liquid. Um, atrazine. You can use, well, you can use atrazine. Dimension is good. Those, those are two good ones. Dimension, especially, you can use in a granular form. Do not use it in combination with fertilizer, of course. Weed and feed. Y'all know how we think about that mm-hmm. on the garden line. We don't like that. But the one comment here about about an acre, 1.2 acres, an acre, some of the mathematicians out there help me here, um, is about 44,000 square feet. 1.2 acres be around 50,000 square feet. That is a lot of fertilizer. That is a lot of okay. spraying. I, w- I would suggest that we go back to our old philosophy of okay. integrated pest management. Yes. If you've got an area in that acre, 1.2 acres, that really has not had a weed problem over the years, I, I wouldn't do it. I would only treat those areas where you've had a real problem and go with that because you start buying, oh, let's say um, a fertilizer. Let's just say a fertilizer, um, a 16-4-8. You're going to pay nowadays probably $20 or so, maybe more, for a bag of that fertilizer. That's going to cover four to 5,000 square feet, and you're dealing with almost 50,000 square feet. You're talking about a lot of money and a lot of effort to cover 1.2 acres with a pre-emergence herbicide. Now, if time and money are no object, you can do it. Okay. Spray it or use the granular. But I think I would go back and figure those areas that are really have really given me trouble insofar as weed control is concerned and treat those. And then do all the other things that we all know you need to do to make a healthy lawn insofar as weed control is concerned. And um, do it that way. That, that's just be my suggestion. Okay, excellent. If you do have further questions on that, just follow up. I'll try to send you as much information as possible. This is a unique question. 
Okay. You ready? We're we talking about roses. We specialize in unique questions. Yes, exactly. Oh, what boy. And now the text line is starting to flow through. They all woke up at once. <laughs> or they all pulled over at once. Um, my mother had a pink rose that had a beautiful smell, and I don't remember the name of it. Any ideas? No. See, I, that's I very so, unique. There are thousands of rose names out there. and. But, oh. Hey, I'll send you the information to go to the Rose Club, the Rose Society. They'll That's, know. There you go. They Let will me know. go ahead and grab that for you. Exactly. They, they will know. I, I really don't. It's so much fun to look through a Rose catalog and look at the names. I've always wondered who thought up all the names for the roses that are out there. And a lot of them are named after people, you know, like. Like some of the songs you've been playing, like Bing Crosby or yes. Frank Sinatra. Or oh, yeah. Like it. Rosemary Clooney, something. Exactly. Yes. Barbara Streisand. You know, John F. Kennedy is one of the most popular roses out there. So there, there's um, thousands of names. And I, I wish I could be more help. Right. But you're right. right. The Rose Society. Did they have a phone number? I did. I just texted it to you. If you would like any of the information for the Pensacola Rose Society, I can text it to you right from our text line. Just request it at 850-437-1620. That's our news radio text line. But if you would like to jot it down real quick, 850-475-5714 or PensacolaRoseSociety.org. Um. Hey, yeah, and they can help you out. Yeah. And, Jenna, there, there's also a category of roses called heirloom roses. Um, this rose that she has may fit into that category. So if you're going to do a little Googling about this, I would want, I'd go to the Jackson and Perkins website. They will have many, many roses pictured there. And even Google heirloom roses, just to see if by chance the rose that she's trying to identify yes. is listed there. So. It's, My it's heirloom so rose is not doing that great, yeah. though. It doesn't smell that great. That that uh, that freeze did a number on it. Right. So now I'm wondering if I'm doing something wrong. I need the the roses to smell good again. There you go. A little fur. You know, roses are heavy feeders. They like a lot of fertilizer. Once a month, you need to fertilize them with rose fertilizer. There we go. And also, you've got to look out for two problems: the black spot, which that's mm-hmm. what it is. You got a leaf. You got a big black spot in the middle of it, and powdery mildew, which looks like you put baby powder on a rose those are two problems both of them are diseases okay and you've got you can go buy products that are combination products that you can usually put in the rose with a rose dust which has disease control and insect control in the same product so you can kind of cover all your bases with one product if you're having those particular problems. Okay, good good tips right there. Um, let's get to this question before we take another break here on the Garden Line. You're listening to the Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3. I'm Jenna Barr here with Mike Wiggins. So get in your questions, your comments, pictures, all that and more, or feel free to call 437-1620. When is the best time to transfer my potted lemon tree to the ground? I would. What I would do is... I'm assuming it's in a container. It's in a pot right now. I think I would wait till, let's just take a shot at April 1st, first week in April. Let's get past the chance of some severely cold weather. Okie dokie. And then do your transplanting. And of course, transplant it into the full sun. And remember, we've been talking a lot about, because the county agent has really been um, concentrating on this, is not to plant 
when you're transplanting these citrus trees or really any type of shade trees, if you will, do not plant them too low. Don't plant them, in other words, that you, they're below grade. You've got the, the soil, and then your plant is lower than the, the, the soil, if you will. The, and so don't do that. It can be a little bit above grade, if you will, but not below it because then you're going to put dirt up the trunk of that tree, and that can really cause some problems. So be very, very careful about that. And Jenna, one thing about bark. <laughs> I saw it on, on the news the other night. Up north, a lot of the trees in that extreme cold they had, all the bark just split on some of these trees. They, you, they could see it. Keep in mind that the cold weather we had may have done some of the same, not quite to the extent that has happened up north. But if some of these plants that generally never are affected by the cold in Pensacola have experienced split bark, usually kind of at the base, around ground level, we may have some problems as we go into the spring and summer with the health of those plants. Because once they get that split bark, that can really cause problems. So you're sitting there in July and your Japanese yew is kind of going downhill. You say, what is going on with this? You may want to look back at, at the cold and say, maybe it experienced some split bark. And sometimes there's no cure for that. You just have to start over. Okay. Very good. All right. I like that. We are getting a ton of texts in this morning too. So I'm trying to respond, also see which are tips and uh, which are questions. So let's go ahead and take a break while I sift through these. If you would like to text in a picture, go ahead and do that as well. We won't have time to take a phone call before we take a news break, but get those texts in 850-437-1620. It's 927 here on News Radio 92.3. All right, we are running to our news break here on News Radio 92.3. I'm Jenna Barr, but promise to get to these texts when we come back and hey real quick our friend janet texted in larry of pensacola seed and garden announced on tv last week that he has a free vegetable growing seed charts that he has free vegetable growing seed charts so i've got that information and more coming up here on the garden line the sun comes up she bring my coffee in my favorite cup that's why i know yes i know Welcome back to the Garden Line. Hey, thank you for texting in. I am trying to get to each and every text as fast real, as possible. Real quick, yes. I saw Ray Charles here in Pensacola at the Civic Center. Get out. Years ago. Absolutely. I love it. They just wheeled a pan out there and he just played and played. It was unbelievable. You know, when we were talking a little bit off the break, and of course we like things gardeny and fun and chipper here on Pep Talk. Anytime, but I also, you know, can't ever ignore it. I wish music would go back to just the simplicity of making music and entertaining instead of inappropriate gestures or, well, you know what I mean? Uh, well, I, I try am, to play it as much here, I was just, you know. I was just going to say, I leave all that to you. 
<laughs> and you do a terrific job. I mean, you take us back to the 40s sometimes, I'm tr- and I'm, it's a great place to go. I am really very is. grateful, although at the time I didn't understand why my parents were uh, very protective in what they had us listen to, but I was inspired by, you know, S- Stevie Ray Vaughan, which was considered contemporary when I listened oh, yeah. to it. Uh and um, yeah, Ray Charles and Ella Fitzgerald and like we were talking about Rosemary Clooney. I think like the purity of that music and the ease of listening I to agree. it without worrying what we're going to hear. Totally that's agree. when you get to relax and enjoy it. That's right. So I try to bring that here to pep talk. Well, and you do. We have, I, I have probably as many people tell me you play great music oh. as talking about gardening questions. <laughs> well, so I also imagine I think that it's a uh, it it. it, it it's something that we could all listen to while we're working in our gardens or around our home. You know, I water my plants on Saturdays and I walk around and try to get them all tidied. I had a plant party. It's, I'll show you a picture later. They all had a sleepover. It's hilarious. Yeah, because I hear if you put them all together, they're happier. So uh, anyways, so I listen to that kind of music and I'm inspired by that because it's soothing and it reminds me of what my dad listened to growing up and what my mom likes to listen to still. And hear my children sing it. it it brings like joy to my heart exactly well we've always said that we were going to do the cd the oh best, i have our the, spotify the best, list the best yes. of the garden line but anyway well don't worry we've got our spotify <laughs> list you can find it if you're a spotifyer it's news radio 92.3 garden line okay so All let's right. talk about okay. straw let's get to strawberries first okay can we talk about growing herbs in a strawberry pot how do you oh i'm sorry i messed up how do you fertilize the herbs in the strawberry pot. This is from our friend Anne. And then also Anne would like to know, We this is a great question, when um, and what should we use when we spray the leaves of our camellia and azalea bushes? Good questions. Insofar as the strawberry pot is concerned, you yes. may be growing strawberries in a strawberry pot yeah, exactly. or herbs or whatever. I would think just a good liquid fertilizer. Obviously a granule is not going to work. A miracle grow would be a good one. Just be sure, sometimes with these liquids, you tend to overdo it. Just be sure to follow the so much per, you know, so many tablespoonfuls per gallon or whatever. Just follow the instructions to the letter and, okay. I, and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I just thought a liquid would be great to use on that. I think um, that would work. Okay, very good. Now, so as far as the camellias and azaleas, this is a great question because as we get into, oh, mid-March, out of the chance of a real hard freeze, even into April, and April is probably a better month, we need to spray our camellias and azaleas and our ligustrums and our clieras and all our basic evergreens like that with an, an oil spray. We've talked about this on the garden line before, whereas our grandparents and our parents used Volk oil spray. Well, Volk oil spray was good, but it had some very restrictive temperatures when one should use it. The new thing to use, I say new, when I say new, it's probably the last 20 years, is um, ultra-fine oil. It's called ultra-fine oil. You can buy it at any garden center anywhere. And you mix it up and you spray it, being sure, and this is important, to get underneath the leaves. Because that's where the scale is located. What that will do, the ultra-fine oil will literally attack scale that gets on these plants and smother it and kill it because scale is, a, is an insect that adheres to the bottom of the plant and it's literally sucking the juices out of the plant 
and those juices turn into a black sooty mold, and the black sooty mold keeps the sun from getting into the plant, and the plant deteriorates. That's sort of how all that works. But I would use the ultrafine oil probably in April when temperatures are not too cold, not too hot. But you have a lot more leeway than you did with that Volk oil spray. One last thing. Sago palms. Get that scale. It looks like it mm-hmm. snowed on them. Looks yes. like it, it was in a snowfall. So, well, that ultrafine is great for those sago palms that get the scale. So use that in April, and I think that'll help things do better. Okay, very good. And thank you for those questions, Ann. I appreciate you. Good to hear from you. Uh, 850-437-1620. Real quick before we move on to the phone lines with Pete. Hang on, Pete, for a second. Our friend Janet gave us a great tip, and I wanted to uh, give you further information. So we love our friend Larry. Larry from Pensacola Seed and Garden. He announced last week that he has a free vegetable growing seed chart, okay, for everyone. It explains where how to space and grow veggies. <laughs> I like this note from Janet. Free is good. <laughs> <laughs> Free is always good. Yes. And no- knowledge is powerful. I'm telling you, I'm getting I'm more and more interested in having gardens and maybe even some chickens or something like that. You know, having eggs, more sustainable <laughs> living. Uh, it's just growing in interest inside of me. So I think that's excellent. And God bless Larry for all he does in our community. I pass a uh, Pensacola Seed and Garden every week, the one on in Beulah, I mean, um, where I go in that direction. And I'm always just like, he does so much and continues to bring new he things. A, he has a great blab television show. That's right. That he's done for years. It just does a terrific job on that. But you need to go out and see it because over the last couple of years, he has really improved his garden center. He's got some great um, shade houses and a great place to put various plants that I think you'll enjoy taking a look at. So he does good. And keep in mind, talking about the seed planting very quickly, and we may have to cover this in another show, a lot of people want to start their tomato plants from seed and start them indoors before we Ah. pass the time when we have that last frost. And you need to do that about a month or a month and a half before it's time to put them outside. So keep that in mind. We'll talk about that. But there are some tricks to that that it just kind of makes it fun. And once again, I always say this, especially when we do things like grow tomatoes from seed, what a great grandchild activity to show them how to do it, watch them grow, and watch that little seed come up and the end result is a tomato that you can have for lunch. Yeah, so exactly. It's a great activity for kids. Oh, I love that. That's an excellent reminder. Hey, I don't want to forget Pete. Pete from Gulf Breeze is on the line. Go ahead with your questions, Pete. What do you say, Pete? Thank you. Uh, how you doing? Doing good. You? And talk to you in a while. Well, glad to well, hear. Glad to hear from like you. I'm, I'm doing like I'm told. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Uh, I got a question for you on uh, cherry laurel, and uh, I've, I've cut several cherry laurels down, and uh, just uh, poured a new uh, concrete uh, patio, and those cherry laurels were dropping their berries, and uh, so I, I knew they needed to go. Now, is that? Cherry laurel wood, is that toxic, or can you burn that in an open pit? I, I don't know the answer to that. However, I would not do it. 
I really would not. You would? I, I just wouldn't do it. I, you're right, getting rid of them. Cherry laurels are, are an interesting plant. They, um, you look at them, you look at that and say, my goodness, it's an attractive plant. It's got leaves on there. It never goes dormant, and they're really pretty. But it's those black berries that it drops will drive you crazy. Oh, yeah. I had a friend of mine who had a new house. He said, I'm going to put some cherry laurels in my backyard. I said, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Um, but, no. but, but, Pete, I really don't know uh, the toxicity of cherry laurel wood, but whenever— Well, it contains uh, cyanide, so it's not recommended to burn or have in yards with small children or animals. You know, that's why it is so great to have Jenna— here i'm telling you it's, she has got it together where do you get you did you look that up jenna did you see it you know that yes cyanide, I found that cyanide from, uh, huh poisonous no, I'm, I'm sure she knew that off the top of her head yeah, i think right? she did too pete I, thanks she, for the benefit she, of the she doubt knows, there. she knows it all she's great <laughs> but but anyway pete i am i, I don't know but i'm you're doing the right thing getting rid of that of cherry laurel it's just it's a mess the birds get in it and that yes, makes it even do. worse and so I am, think yep. you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Thank you, Pete. We yeah, appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. safe, Pete. And uh, yeah, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your tips as well. So we were talking about measuring out um, your, your pre-emergent uh, weed killer. I want to talk about the tip that our friend Jacques gave us. I, th- I don't think we got to it yet, but we do have to take a break. It's 947 here at News Radio 92.3. I'm Jenna Barr here with Mike Wiggins. You're listening to The Garden Line on the Pensacola Expert Panel. If you have a question, text it in. We have about 10 minutes left. 437-1620. Good morning. Welcome back. It's 9.50, so we have about five more minutes till we have to take another break here on the garden line. But let's talk here. So our friend with, I don't have a name, but texted in and said, well, uh, a well-established six-year-old Empire Zoysia lawn in good condition. This is the, this is the prequel. Uh, never been aerated. Is aeration recommended? Any other annual recommendations to do now? Great question. It is a great question. I have never been a huge fan of aeration, especially um, verticutting and that type of thing. Verticutting is when you have a machine that has like little knives that goes out and cuts some of the thatch out of the grass. Aerating is when you kind of poke holes in it. But I think in many a lawn, and some of the lawn guys out there may disagree with me on that, on this, I believe that a good raking get you a good leaf rake and just rake it really hard. That'll get some of that fat, some of that dead grass out of there, and and, and you'll be okay. Now, if you've got a zoysia lawn, an empire zoysia lawn, which is a great type of zoysia grass that's in good condition, I wouldn't do it. I really wouldn't go to the time, trouble, and expense to do it. What I would do is get a soil test. Mm-hmm. to see exactly what the pH situation is and see if lime is necessary. If it's in good condition, you might go over to Warner's. Warner's got a, a soil test kit that they sell that you, you buy it from them. You send in your samples. They send you everything you ever wanted to know chemically about your lawn. It's really a good deal. So 
you might want to do that. But I don't think I would worry about aeration. Do it, give it a good raking after the after the winter, and then fertilize it. But don't fertilize it too early. Let's fertilize that zoysia, and really, you're St. Augustine and centipede too. Sure. Let's do all that in April, maybe mm. even May. By some books, that may be a little late. But once it's out of dormancy and we're out of a chance of a freeze, go ahead and fertilize it then, using a fertilizer with 16 percent nitrogen. I think that's a good general formula. You may use one that has 22% or what have you, 15%, but a 16% nitrogen, like a 1608 or a 1648 or even a 15015 in April in order to get that zoysia grass going. One thing about zoysia, and we need to talk about this too because a lot of people are going to put sod in and we don't have time today to do it. But one thing about zoysia, the only really disadvantage to zoysia is that it comes out of dormancy a little later than St. Augustine and Centipede and goes into dormancy a little before that. That is generally the one disadvantage that's always listed about zoysia. But it's not that big a deal. Zoysia does not get the insects and the varmints that St. Augustine gets. It has a longer lifespan than, say, centipede. It's not the wild grass that Bahia is. And so I think zoysia nowadays, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, is the grass of choice in Pensacola. It really is. So not shade. That's the only thing is it doesn't like shade either. It's got to have sun. Yeah. Pure sun. Okay. So in any event, I would not aerate it. I would get that soil test and lime it if necessary, fertilize it in April, and be on your way. Okay, very good. Thank you for that. Let me go ahead and get to you. Uh, we're going to have to do a lightning round real quick. So our friend Jacques, though, did say good tip here. When you're thinking about doing that pre-emergent, right, you're, you're, you're trying to measure. He says, uh, it helps me to think of an acre as a rough square, a little over 200 feet on all four sides. The length of the side can vary, but area is about the same. Yeah, yeah that's, that's 200 feet. If you do the, you know, do the math, 200 times 200 is 40,000. And that's what we said. I think it's about 44,000 is the exact size of an acre. But 200 by 200 is mighty close. So that might help as you kind of visualize what you've got to do in oh, your absolutely. yard. And how much material, fertilizer, weed killer, et cetera, that you're going to have to use. So, yeah, 200 by 200 is a good mayor. Thanks for that, Jock. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, is, is it fescue? F-E-S-C-U-E grass? Fescue grass. Fescue grass. Is that good for this area? No. No. Don't no. do it. No. Fescue Cross is not it off good. the fescue, list. Fescue is good in Atlanta. Okay. Maybe Montgomery and up in the Carolinas and that type of thing. But sure. fescue really is not going to work for us here. All right. That's new to no. me. Okay. No. Fescue grass. No. Uh, what about a pyracantha firehorn for many years that was trained as an Esplanade, Esplanade. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, last right. fall, the on a leaves. Trellis, kind of a, on a trellis oh, or, yes, or I growing okay. up a chimney or whatever. Esplanade. Okay, I'm very, sorry. <laughs> you got to do your hand like an Esplanade. Good thing nobody could see my face. I almost looked possessed. <laughs> last fall, the leaves turned brown and looked rusty. It promptly died. Oh, I'm sorry about that. We would like to replace it, but want to know what might have killed it and what we can do better to care for it. Hard, hard to say. Well, if you're going up a trellis, maybe a yeah. jasmine instead, right? Or uh, right? No. What's yeah. it? Oh, sure, sure. Jasmine. Put a Confederate be... jasmine. That, oh, yeah, that that's would, it. That would be a good choice. But a pyracantha, generally, obviously it wasn't in this case. It's generally pretty bulletproof. They they don't have a lot of 
insects and fungus to deal with. It sounds like it could have been environmental. Mm, Maybe it was too dry, too cold, too wet, too dry. Something environmentally got to that pyracantha to make it do that. But I would not hesitate to replace it in kind, quite frankly. That's a great plant to put, as I say, on a trellis or um, up a side of a chimney. If you're putting it on a chimney, you get these lead-headed nails. It goes a nail into the mortar, yes. but the head of the nail has got a, piece, a lid on it that folds over the branches. Mm-hmm. So as it grows, you can continue putting these lead-headed nails up to, your, say, your chimney. I'm just using that as an example. And that, that pyracantha start growing up vertically. Okay. It's a great plant. Beautiful berries on it. It's called yes. firethorn is another name. Okay. Yes. So that's All right. a great plan. I'd, I'd do it again. One more question before we take a break and wrap up. We probably are going to run out of time, so we're going to make this quick. Uh, the powdery mildew on my indoor po- uh, po- pothos? Pothos, yeah. Pothos. That's kind, of, kind of like a philodendron, right? Yeah, but that's what it looks it, like. It but does wh- look like, but it's a pothos. Which what is can we spray on it? For a fungus? Yeah. I would be tempted. You could probably get a fungicide, but I would take it outside yeah. and spray it with a fungicide, okay. a liquid fungicide, yes, and then let it all dry and then take it back in. I wouldn't spray a fungicide in my house. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. wouldn't uh, I have heard that a little bit of diluted white vinegar can help with those indoor plants, and that that, that, that could possibly be very you may, you light may, amount. You may find a little home remedy for yes. that. Yes, very light amount uh, or very yeah. diluted. That's, an, that's, an, that's so. an unusual problem. I, Pothos is one of the most popular house plants ever. Because it's so hardy and it will put up with less light mm. in someone's house than, say, a, a, a um, Ficus benjamina sure. or Arica palm or something sure. like that. So, yes, I would either find a, a little home remedy and try that okay. or take it outside and treat it. Okay. On that note, let's take a quick break before we wrap things up here on The Garden Line. Well, thank you so much for texting in. Hey, we got to every single text today. Well, that is just great. And thank you for all your texts. Well, I really do appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. And um, as we can talk, as we get closer to real springtime, we've got so much to talk about on the Garden Line. And we're ready for it. Absolutely. So tune in next week, 9 to 10 a.m. Or catch this episode online at newsradio92.3.com.